This is Sean Sport in podcast form. Well, now the World Cup's underway. Every one of you tuning into SBS uh, for the broadcast of this World Cup, which is absolutely outstanding. Richard Bayless is part of the team there, and he joins us now. G'day, Richard. Good morning, boys. How are you? Oh, fantastic, Richard. Must be great to um, be all over something that has no controversy attached to it at all. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, what controversy? It's all about the football, right? That's what FIFA say. Oh, that's what they're saying, yeah. About the game and also not having a drink. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, a a sports stadium. Let's just talk about that quickly. A sports, an entire sports stadium and that one person's drinking a beer. That doesn't seem right. it's, I don't think it's mm. ever happened. You know what's weird is that, mm. I mean, it's such an Australian thing as well. We just expect the beers to be there at all times. In the UK, in the Premier League, yep. that's actually what happens as well. You can get a beer, but only outside. You can't be inside the Are stadium you with the beer. So, no, it goes back to, you know, obviously fan trouble of decades and decades ago. It's yep. just a thing. But I think people are used to it there. It's more, I think, the issue here is the fact that two days out after assurances were made, oh, no, you can get beers. Don't worry about it the decision is reversed. And that's, I think, where people are really up in arms. Plus, of course, many of us just like the beer as well. I yeah, tell you what, really though, and these are people, everyone knew going there that this was going to be the situation. I think that maybe they thought they were getting faked out or whatever, but it's like when you RSVP to a wedding and then discover it's a dry wedding. It's like, oh, my God, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, uh, like, <laughs> well, I, I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be friends with those people. I don't <laughs> think, <so>. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Richard, um, we've seen the action kick off uh, in the last couple of nights, obviously the opening game between Qatar and um, Ecuador. But then, Last night, we've got a lot of English, obviously, all around Australia. They would have been up watching that demolition of Iran. Yeah, they would have been, and they'll be a little bit more vocal today as well, because strangely, I mean, England always go into the tournament thinking they're going to win it. They're thinking it's coming home at nauseam. But, you know, the expectations have been a little bit lower going into this tournament, but they were unreal. They were really, really good against Iran. 6-2 winners. That's an obscene scoreline, and really, they shouldn't have conceded the two they did. So, you know, they've got amazing players. We know how big the Premier League is, how quality it is. But actually, they showed it on the international stage in a way they don't often do, England, despite the fact they made the semis last time. So, all of a sudden, you have to put them amongst the favourites, which, for our English mates out there, they'll be a little bit annoying, I would say, over the next couple of days. But you know what? They've earned it because the team were very, very good. Yeah, the other games that um, featured, obviously, Wales coming back just in the last couple of minutes to be able to get the penalty to draw the US. But I always watch, love watching um, the Netherlands playing. Everybody dressed in orange. They, they play with a bit of flair. They always get the job done. And I know it took a while against mm. Senegal, but they'd have to be one of the teams that are always going to make that, you know, quarterfinals, semifinals. Yeah, a little bit unheralded as well. They've come into this tournament. I mean, they've made the final three times without winning it. They are a chance of being, if anyone's going to win it for the first time, it's probably going to be them. It took them a while, you know, two late goals in the last six or seven minutes. And they've got a great story too because Louis van Gaal, their manager, who's now unbeaten in 16 games, he's really sick. You know, he's been in a wheelchair on the pitch side wow. uh, on occasions. Uh, he's He's got a cancer. It's an aggressive cancer. And he's wow. been around for a long, long time. And it's one of these stories. And, and, you know, in football and sport, we always know there is a story. Yeah. And maybe the story is him and the Dutch and finally winning a World Cup with a manager who's sick. So keep an eye out for that one. But they were very good in the 2-0 against um, Senegal. Wow. Yeah, wow. Okay. So what, time, what times is games happening live? What's the first one here for Australia time? So 9pm Eastern at Sydney time, so not too bad. And if you've got a you know real football problem, which many of us do, you can push through 9pm, midnight, 3am, 6am. You need to pick Every your battles. Of course, the Socceroos tomorrow morning, 
6 a.m. Sydney time. So, you know, maybe you sleep early, you get up later. But the beauty of SBS is, and these days, of course, is you can watch games uh, on demand as you like. Hey, so when, when, I mean, you know, maybe not this World Cup, but when there is a game happening and it's like 2 in the morning or whatever, um, are, are you up? And when you're up, are you, like, do you... Do you have snacks? What happens? Or do you just have breakfast? <laughs> like, how do you start your day in that? Because it's a weird well, way to start yeah, a day. Oh, uh, look, it is so tricky. This is the first time SBS's studio hasn't been within the host country for quite a while, going back to uh, probably Japan, Korea, 2002. So for us, we're actually in the Sydney studio. So yeah. we're waking up at 4 or 5 p.m. and pushing through all overnight. And to answer your question, basically, we are eating the worst food possible. I'm trying to get out of the habit already. It's caffeine, like you name it. It's just comfort food to get you through. You do what you got to do to get through, I think. Oh, I think pizza. You need some pizza there. Well, you have to. Have you been holding into some pizza? Give us the worst thing you've eaten. I think, well, it's not that bad, but just snakes. Just Snakes, snakes, snakes. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You were like an athlete on this, uh, like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. just snakes. a bag of snakes alive. Is that what you've been holding? <laughs> well, I'll give it time. We're two days into a tournament which goes for over a month. Like, I think by the end of it, will be an absolute shell, but it'll be worth it. <laughs> yeah. Now, getting back to the game tonight, uh, Richard, that we, well, tomorrow morning we'll be able to see, which is Australia in action against France. I mean, how hard is that first up? I don't see that we're any chance, and I can't see with this lineup that we've got of us progressing outside of this round robin phase. I've heard the opposite from mm. other people who say, say that you know the youthful ex- and and inexperience might be a thing that we'll be able to get us through. Yeah, you, you know what? That's some of the most balanced analysis I've heard going into this, and I think it's understandable. You know, we get to a World Cup, we get excited, we remember that we're Australians on the world stage. We should do really well at sport. Yeah. And football over the past couple of years, we're in a transitional phase. This is arguably the biggest challenge we've had going into a World Cup in this run of five straight appearances because our team is inexperienced. 17 of the 26 haven't been there before. And yep. you can say that's an advantage. We're playing world champions in France. And, and, you know, they've got six or seven players out injured. But the players they do have still phenomenal. Their second-strength 11 could probably still win a World Cup. So for us... You know, this is in, in essence a free swing. No one will expect anything of us outside of ourselves, potentially. You know, we need to go there, not get hammered, and take a little bit of momentum in the performance into Tunisia and Denmark. Because, you know, against France, realistically, if they turn it on, we will struggle big time. You just have to hope they don't turn up, which is possible because that's what France, um, you know, on occasion do. But, yeah, it's, let, let's be real. This is a huge challenge tomorrow morning. If we can get anything from it, it'll be, let's not say miracle, let's not go into that territory, yep. but it would be an unbelievable result for us. Yeah, it would be. Hey, um, Richard, I just want to get your opinion on one last thing, and that is um, uh, on the One Love armband, right? And uh, we mm. know that um, um, uh, England captain Harry Kane, he was going to be wearing it. And then at the last thing, uh, FIFA said it's not an official kit and you're going to yellow carded. Some people are saying that it would have been such a um, uh, a demonstration um, of you know uh, of of respect towards uh, the you know the movement if he was to wear it and just get a yellow card straight away and then take it off as a sign of you know we're not backing down. What would you have done? Mm. I, I agree with that sentiment. I think you know for the seven nations to turn around and agree. Oh look, you know. We don't want to risk sporting sanctions here. We're happy to pay a fine, but we don't want to get a yellow card. I think seeing a player get a yellow card, yeah. stand defiant to, to a FIFA who, who don't want those messages to be said would have been extremely powerful. And even if a player gets sent off 
Who cares? Honestly, at the end of the day, yeah. I mean, some of the bigger, broader messages that need to be got across by whether it's players, teams, whatever, is more is more important at the end of the day. So it's really disappointing, and I know for a lot of people around the world, you know, the LGBTQ plus community, I think uh, probably will feel a little bit abandoned. And actually, in addition to that, Belton's Awake it has sort of a rainbow motif in it, and has the word love. FIFA have asked them or demanded that they not wear that kit or remove the word love from it. I mean, that that is just remove the word love. Isn't that disgusting? I cannot believe, Richard, that this is where they're holding a World Cup. It is unbelievable. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean, you know, the beauty of being a footballer with such a platform like Harry Kane, millions and millions of followers, is that you make a statement and you draw or you shine a spotlight on an issue and you 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 do actually bring, bring people together and make everybody feel a part of it, whereas this divisive kind of approach is obviously having the opposite effect, and it's just really disappointing for so many people. Yeah, well, it just shows uh, in the future, though, FIFA will be thinking twice because this has been uh, been so much backlash along the journey. Anyway, that said, we look forward, Richard, to seeing so much more coverage on SBS. You're doing a fine job. I hope you're able to get through these next five <laughs> or so weeks, six weeks of action, just eating snakes and eating pizza and getting getting through with mad coffee. So uh, we, we really appreciate your time. <laughs> That's it, boys. All the best. Enjoy it. We'll speak soon. Sean Sport in podcast form. Over to the World Cup in Qatar to kick things off, and England began their campaign. There'll be so many um, West Aussie, uh, West Aussies with English backgrounds watch this game this morning. Yeah. Um, and uh, England absolutely thrashed them, which was good news. But the game started interesting because there was a lot of political statements made between England and Iran, and obviously uh, the England captain wanted to wear the rainbow armband because as the yep, captain the gets to love. wear one yep. love and that was hosed down by FIFA who said if you wear that then you'll get a yellow card and that will that could cost you playing in further games so he, they decided to take the knee at the start of the game which is um it it ends up being a good thing because the whole team does it and the you know the world audience gets to see that yeah. in in, in yeah. the first place. Some people are saying the the English captain could have still done it and just had a yellow card and then made a statement that way. But I mean, like they're not even allowing journalists in there with a rainbow on their shirt. Like, yeah, I swear, over there if the rainbow appears in the sky, do they shoot oh, they it with shoot guns? It down, mate. Shoot it down. Yeah. <laughs> Stop going at past guy. <laughs> Absolutely. Now the Iranians themselves, they didn't sing the national anthem because they were protesting against their yeah. own government about um, you know the way they treat people in their neck of the woods. So yeah, a couple of statements to start things off. But at the end of the day, um, hopefully moving forward, then FIFA will know that they cannot go down this track again because Why they, did they used, do it because they got the money and the backhander, and that's the only reason they did it. No. You guys talked about it yesterday. Um, Budweiser. It was our Heineken? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Budweiser. Yeah, Budweiser. Bud- Budweiser. Yeah. They wouldn't let us serve booze at the stadium. The whole warehouse full of turps and it wasn't able to get used, even though they'd signed a contract with FIFA. It's just a litany of things that are not conducive to holding this event. Yeah. And yet uh, to, they to chose any to do society. it. I know the guy um, who used to be in charge who made the decision to have the World Cup in Qatar, he actually said it was a mistake now. But it's like, you would have known it was a mistake back then. Yeah, they would have, but, you know, money speaks all volumes. But wouldn't everyone else have had their hands up as well? And Yeah, there was a lot of people, and I would have thought there would have been a lot of other countries who were, who were prepared to play the brown paper bag game, but obviously um, the Qatarians were able to do that in a successful manner. 
Well, anyway. uh, maybe the gold bullion um, that they offered as well. I don't, I don't know. But anyway, the World Cup's off to a, a really good start in that manner. For Australia, though, we play France tomorrow morning, early mm. our time. We always get the tough draws straight up, but um, playing France is going to be difficult. But our coach, Graham Arnold, he's relied on an old chestnut who got Australia going in 2005, and that's Aussie Gus Hiddick who Australia just got right behind. He took over um, our team just before we started our campaign in Germany. And we got right through to um, the knockout stage and probably could have gone a bit further if it wasn't for a bit of a, uh, a shonky red card that was given. But um, Graham Arnold saying, um, with the help of Gus, he thinks he's got his head in the game. I spoke to him only three days ago, four days ago. Um, he's been a, an incredible mentor for me over since 2005. <clears throat> what I learned off Gus in uh, one year would have taken me probably 10 years to learn on my own. There you go. Then again, you know what? What are our chances of beating France? Everybody's saying we are absolutely zero. <laughs> We're absolutely zero. We're less than zero. Yeah. That's what they're saying. So do you reckon that maybe we get one of our team into their kit and um, just spray them with multicoloured rainbow colours. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, no, the French would be all about that because uh, they're certainly a one-love uh, country like oh, us. Oh, no, I get that. But, but, like, you can take an armband off, but if your kit's all been sprayed like a rainbow, then oh, yeah. you've got to play in it. The, the, the locals are coming for you. Everyone's getting a yellow card pretty quickly. <laughs> a red card off. Oh, the other thing would work, Nathan, if we did put a couple of guys in the blue shirts and they went out there and played for France and let a few goals in. Yeah. Just fell over at the wrong time, which we see in soccer quite often if the money's right. We. Anyway, Anyway, it's going to be uh, a big night for Australian sport. We'll see how we turn. Um, it all works out. We're going to catch up still, though, a bit later on and dissect it with Richard Bayless. He's covering the action for uh, SBS. Nice one. Sean Sport is a Nova podcast. For more great comedy shows like this, head to novapodcast.com.au.